Hey, what's up, interpreters? I'm Chris White. I'm with the Earth to Sky Interagency Partnership. This is a partnership between NASA, the National Park Service, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and we help bridge the gap between NASA science and the interpretation and informal education community. Happy to be here today. Hey, what's up, interpreters? My name is Amanda. I am your Director of Professional Development and Education here at NAI. Hey, what's up, interpreters? My name is Heather Manier, and I'm your Corporate Engagement and Partnerships Manager with the National Association for Interpretation. And thanks for being here, Chris. Okay, first, I just, because I've had this question on my mind, I think that your title is Eclipse Coordinator. Is that right? That is correct. Has it been that for a long time? I mean, this isn't new because of this annular eclipse, <laughs> correct? No, yeah. I have a little different position than most of the Earth to Sky teammates. Uh, most of our teammates work in climate change communication, and I am literally just here to talk about eclipses, to keep them focused on climate change communication and not overwhelmed with the eclipse engagement. I mean, I, I feel like you could talk about that forever, but we do have some questions that we should maybe get to. And then if we have time at the end, I just want to hear more about how you got your job. But I, sure. I mean, I am, I am curious. Can, can we, can we ask that question now? Okay. Heather? I really, yeah. I really want to know, <laughs> I know Chris, I know. how did you become an eclipse coordinator and, and, and why did that interest you? Yeah, I, I worked for a state park service for a very long time as a night sky ranger. One of the dark rangers trained by Kevin Poe. Some people know who Kevin Poe is. The night has always kind of fascinated me and the sun is a star. So if it's right in line with what I've been doing all my life. I also owned an astronomy tour business called Moab Astronomy Tours in Moab, Utah for many years, still own it currently. And yeah, when I saw this job come open with the Earth to Sky, I had, I had applied for the other positions under climate change before. When I saw this come up, it was just like all of my training coming together, my interpretive background, my ranger background of being out on the ground, doing night sky programming, my dark sky conservation, work and then here it is it's a space science themed earth to sky i'm like i can't pass it up i gotta apply and uh, i was fortunate enough to be chosen and how long have you been in that position since november of last year so i think we'll kind of move on a little bit and and i want to know i mean part of the reason we are having you on this podcast um, is because of your cool title and cool job but also because of the annular eclipse that's coming up i think it's october 14th is when it's it is, happening. Yeah. And so I've been hearing a lot about this for months and months now. And what makes it so unique that people are talking about it and focusing on it? Well, most people, when they think of eclipses, they think of total eclipses, right? Where you can see the corona of the sun around the silhouette of the moon. And it's beautiful and everything gets dark and lovely, but that's not quite how an annular eclipse is. Um, with an annular eclipse, you end up with a ring of the sun still exposed around the silhouette of the moon. So it's called a ring of fire often. And that's just due to the distance that the moon is from Earth. So when, when the moon is farther away in its orbit from Earth and aligns with the sun, then you get an annular eclipse. When it's closer to Earth, you end up with a total eclipse. That, that and, is fascinating. Uh, what, so the sun's still showing in an annular eclipse. Yeah. It's not totally eclipsed. Absolutely. Like there's Correct. no total eclipse of the sun. No total eclipse. <laughs> and that is why it's crucial that you have 
I feel like the song was about to break out right there. So we should just. Just a little bit. <laughs> how can it not? Seriously, that is, how can it not? <laughs> so yeah, with that exposure of the sun still, it's really, really crucial that everyone wears solar protection. So solar viewers of some type, whether that's a little solar viewer you hold up or solar glasses, it's crucial. If you're using a camera or a telescope, you must use solar filter. Uh, otherwise, eye damage can happen pretty quickly, and that's permanent eye damage. So that's something we want to avoid. Everybody wants to have a good time viewing these eclipses, so let's stay safe out there. Can you tell us about some of the best places to, to see the eclipse, to view it? Yes, there's a, a wonderful map on the Science Visualization Studios website, which is a NASA project. And it's the 2023 eclipse path. I think it says 2023, 2024. You can just search eclipse path and it'll come up. And it shows the map of like where both eclipses will go through the U.S. And it's just incredible that they're so close together and they cover pretty much the entire breadth of the U.S. You're either going to get a really intense partial eclipse or you're going to be in the path, right? And that's anywhere in the lower 48. Sorry, Alaska and Hawaii. <laughs> um, come down, come visit us. <laughs> anyway, this annular eclipse path starts in Oregon, kind of where Oregon Dunes National Recreation Area is, and we'll go across down through the Southwest and hit through Texas and end at Corpus Christi area, so Padre Island National Seashore. I think will be the last spot to see it before it heads off to Mexico. There's a lot of national parks along this path of annularity, which is incredible. So pretty much any state that you're in, whether it's Oregon, Nevada, uh, Utah has a lot of state parks, or sorry, national parks and state parks that it will be crossing the path of. And then New Mexico, it's going right over Albuquerque. So all the little all the national parks there and national monuments are going it's going to hit them so we're talking the big names i can think of is capitol reef bryce canyon canyonlands national park mesa verde national park chaco canyon national historic site petroglyphs national monument it it's just incredible great basin national park crater lake national park it's going to hit all of these. And what a beautiful place to see an eclipse, right? <laughs> these places are set aside because of their scenic beauty or historic value. And so I just can't imagine seeing an eclipse from these places. So I'm really excited to do that myself. Chris, you mentioned earlier staying safe out there. And I'm not going to lie. This was like one of the top questions I wanted to ask you was like, do you, can you really not look at an eclipse? And so I'm curious, how do you interpret that to people who might think similarly to me? Like, oh, it's fine, right? How do you communicate that so that they don't stare right at the eclipse and stay safe? Yeah, there is only one time during an eclipse that you can take your glasses off. And that is only during a total solar eclipse. So not an annular. During an annular solar eclipse, there is at no point that you can take your glasses off. But honestly, if you were standing outside and you didn't know it was happening, you wouldn't even know. It's still that bright. So it would seem like maybe a cloud moved just in front of the sun for a second. You know, it's not going to seem, it's not going to get that dark. You might get a little bit of sunset coloring on the horizons. So it's not, it's nothing that your eyes would be like, oh, let me look at the sun right now. <laughs> Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Oh, so that makes me think of another question then regarding interpretation. How do you interpret something that isn't really even that noticeable? That's a good question. (laughs) There are lots of ways to connect to the sun. First of all, it's life-sustaining, right? We all are here and alive because that star is shining up there, giving us the heat, the energy that we need to survive. I also think a lot about the dynamic nature of our sun. Our sun's entering its solar maximum. So solar maximum will peak, they believe, in 2025. And this just means the sun's going through periods of high activity. If you look at like some of the imagery that's coming out of uh, the heliophysics division of NASA, the sun is just, it has sunspots everywhere. It has big magnetic loops. It has lots of coronal mass ejections happening. Um, Solar flares lighting up. It's active right now. and, And it's such a beautiful thing to see a star in its active period. And so that that is very dynamic. And I can't think of something that's more dynamic as a human to experience than an eclipse. I mean, it, it's something that doesn't look like anything else you'll see. So if you have the right eye protection, then you can look up and you can see that happening. And if you don't, let's say you find out about this the day before the eclipse and you can't get solar glasses, it's okay. All you have to do is cross your fingers like a waffle board and then hold them out where the sun is hitting them, where your back is to the sun. So you're not facing the sun, your back is to the sun. And you use those waffle fingers to actually project images of the sun on the ground. And so to do this, your your hands will have to be at least three feet above the ground. And then the surface needs to be light colored so that you can actually create like a little pinhole projector of the sun on the ground. You will notice like when when your fingers are close to the ground, you'll see the gaps in your fingers as they are little triangles. But as you move back to that three feet, you will see a round object appear. And that is the projection of the sun. And so as it becomes eclipsed, you'll see the cookie bite cookie bite getting deeper 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 and then you'll see the annular ring and then cookie bite cookie bite cookie bite it's pretty cool so you really you don't need anything you can use your ball cap any kind of mesh hat a colander (laughs) you don't need fancy equipment but if you want to look directly at the sun you do you do need filters how about you heather but chris just blew my mind i know (laughs) yeah totally how long have you been planning for this? And have you been working with sites to talk about what programs to do, what, why it's important to do the programs around this eclipse? Mostly what I've been doing is trying to help prepare parks to be ready to do interpretive eclipse engagement. And that could be introducing them to NASA partners that can actually come to their site as subject matter experts and help them or it can be, here are some wonderful citizen science opportunities if you wanna do a little citizen science during your eclipse engagement, or here's some wonderful hands-on eclipse activities to do to keep people entertained before and after the eclipse, or you know, these are some of the things to consider logistically when you're planning a large eclipse event, which you need to plan because people are going to come. 
And so it's mainly been that type of thing with some interpretive technique involved as well. We've had a few days where we've talked about like, how do you engage universally with the eclipse? And then how do you make that place-based? And then how do you make that audience-centered engagement? So we've had several of those as well, and we'll continue with that effort all the way through the total eclipse. And you can find those on earththesky.org, and you just look under interpreting eclipses, and down toward the bottom of the page, you'll see all of our past webinars. And these are all subject matter experts. They're, they're really great at what they do, and they're there sharing their time. They're all short on purpose. They're 30 minutes or less, typically. There's a couple that are a little longer because we felt like they needed to be. And so you can easily fit it in your lunch hour to help you get ready for the eclipses. Why do you think people are so drawn to eclipses? Because it's something that takes you out of your everyday. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's uh, It makes you realize that you're on this planet that's a part of a solar system. And there's no denying it because you can see it right there. It kind of helps remind us that, yes, as we rush about this earth every day doing our things, uh, picking up our family, taking care of things, meeting all our responsibilities. Oh, yeah, wait, we're one planet of many planets out there. I think there's over 5,000 planets that have been potentially discovered and over 3,000 that have been confirmed as planets. And that's not just in our solar system, obviously, that's exoplanets. Uh, so it's a good reminder that we're like this one tiny little part of this universe and how maybe stressing over being late to this event, one or, one or the other, you know, the concert that we were supposed to be at at 10 o'clock, it's okay. In the large scheme of the universe, it's all right. Well, and so then I have other things like how long will it take? How long will the annular eclipse take? And then also... I guess, why do you think it's important that people pay attention? Yeah, the timing of an, an eclipse, you know, it takes over an hour to come on, and then it's like minutes of eclipse, of uh, annularity or totality, whichever eclipse you're talking about. And then hours, you know, a little over an hour to come off as well. And so the whole thing typically spans like a little over three hours, I believe. And so you have a lot of time before to like play around and make those projected sun pinhole projections of the sun with an eclipse cookie bite. That's what I like to call it. Uh, you have a lot of time to learn about the sun, learn about the moon, learn about this beautiful planet that we all live on and call home. So that anywhere you go that's doing eclipse engagement, I'm sure they're going to be talking about all these things. Chris, you've already convinced me to pay more attention to eclipses with that. I We have the annular eclipse coming up on October 14th, 2023, and then the total eclipse on April 8th, 2024. I think I have that right. Yep. Is, that typical, is it typical to have uh, that many eclipses in that time frame? Like how often are eclipses happening? About, oh, that's a really good question. And I'm not sure I'm going to get this one right. So I might have to get back to you on this it seems Did we like stump you <laughs> i think you might have um it seems like they can be within six months of each other and it seems like that time frame is not too far off it's just that they're not normally back to back in the same place same area it does happen 
I'm actually going to cheat and I'm going to double check myself on that one real quick. Every 18 months, that's Every... a total eclipse. Wait a minute. Every 18 months, there's a total eclipse somewhere in the world? Yeah. It's frequent. It's not a rare event. Eclipses happen pretty frequently. It's just that, you know, solar eclipses. It, it's just that you're not there in the same place all the time. Right. Wow. So eclipse chasers spend a lot of money traveling the world to I was going to sure say, yeah. And yeah. are you involved internationally at all in eclipse coordination or programs or anything like that? I am not currently. I hope to be during one of the Australian ones coming up. If they can put me to use, I would be happy to be there. And Chris, to clarify, are eclipse chasers people that travel around the world to view eclipses? Yes, are you, solar, are you solar eclipses. I am not. I can't <laughs> afford that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, solar eclipses. But yeah, so it's all solar eclipse based. But yes, they travel the world to view eclipses. And they've seen many different eclipses. And I can tell you, I personally am excited from seeing the one in 2017, which many people in the U.S. did. I'm excited because that was not solar maximum. And I'm excited to see the difference in the corona from then to the corona now where it's in solar maximum. It should be off the charts. I mean, the Australian eclipse that happened earlier this year showed that the corona was incredible. And so it just it's just exciting to me to see the difference. But that's for the total eclipse that we're talking about. So not to confuse people with the annularity. You will just see a ring of fire for the annular eclipse. Well, so in some spaces where we interpret, I think there are there are some things that people are maybe more interested in learning about. I'm thinking like if you're at a zoo, it's the charismatic megafauna. Is there like is there an eclipse hierarchy? You've mentioned like eclipses of the sun. Does the moon get eclipsed? Hmm. And is that a little less interesting perhaps than the total eclipse of the sun? The moon does get eclipsed. It's exciting when the moon falls into the full umbra of the earth. So the deepest part of the shadow. When it's in the umbra, it turns blood red. Everybody wants to see it. It's such a beautiful thing. Uh, and it, it can stay in that umbra of shadow for a very long time. And then when it comes out into the penumbra, it starts to lighten up again to the moon that we, we're used to seeing. And so blood moon lunar eclipses are pretty exciting to see penumbra ones can be if they're deep enough penumbra. So that's the outer shadow where some of the lights of the, some of the light of the sun can still come around. Yeah, they're just not as exciting because it's not that deep blood red color. Uh, but to me personally, the most exciting eclipses to me are exoplanet transits. Those are eclipses. That is how we're finding these planets. They're eclipsing their star. And we're picking up a little dip in the starlight to detect those planets. And so for me, that's the most exciting. I mean, how cool is it? We're finding other worlds out there. Through eclipses. They... Wow. Yeah, through eclipses. What are they going to be like? Is there life there? If there is life there, what does it look like? It's so exciting. I'm speechless. I had no I know, idea. Me too. It does blow my mind a little bit. We should have maybe, or I should have maybe had somebody besides myself that's a little more sciencey because <laughs> I have. I'm like writing down words to check. I'm glad. I appreciate you explaining Umbra because I had no idea what that yeah. was. Yeah, um, Umbra is the deepest mm -hmm. part of the shadow. 
actually one of the, my colleagues, when I told everybody that we were going to do this, had a question. She had seen something about an eclipse-inspired art program through NASA. Mm -hmm. do you, are you yeah. aware of that? And can you talk a little bit about that? I can talk a little bit about it. Um, I haven't met one of the artists. I haven't met Kristen Perrin, uh, but her poster is beautiful. If you have not seen it, it's it's so gorgeous. And it's a through the eyes of NASA partnership. So she, she was hired for the main eclipse effort, but she graduated from Village Julie College also known as Stephen University with a Bachelor's of Science in Visual Communication. And yeah, she's just an incredible artist. If you haven't had a chance to look at it, look it up. It's You can find it on solarsystem.nasa.gov. Just look up Eclipse Artwork. And it shows an eclipse about to happen. You're almost to the diamond ring phase of a total eclipse. And then there's all these little light flares coming off in response and you can see stars in the background well do understand artwork is an artist's uh license right so um <laughs> you will not see the milky way during a total solar eclipse but you might see some stars and planets which is pretty exciting and then the other artist is tyler nordgren who a lot of parks are really familiar with because he does a lot of the posters for parks throughout the u.s and he's done a whole series of eclipse artwork for these this annular eclipse and also for the upcoming total eclipse. And so it's it's pretty fun. It's exciting. There will be a lot of things for people to take home and see. And Tyler is an astronomer turned artist or artist turned astronomer. I'm not sure which which went first, uh, but he he is an astronomer by training and used to teach at Redlands University and then in at Cornell, I believe, and then he retired and does artwork pretty much full-time, I believe, and also does uh, guides tours for Eclipse Chasers and Aurora Chasers. That's his job now. <laughs> He's got I, it pretty I, good. That's awesome. Um, I do really appreciate that NASA sees the importance of art and science coming together in this way. Yeah. It's a really great way to engage all learners, I think. You know, I, I'm not the best at book learning, it seems like I am, but I'm really not. Uh, I'd much rather learn with my hands. So I, it's just a nice way to engage all areas, you know, STEAM complete, <laughs> if you want to say. Chris, for the interpreters listening today, do you have any tips if they wanted to interpret an eclipse? I would suggest know where you're going to be first of all and then go there before the eclipse and just sit there and feel the essence of the place and then think about what it is that makes that place special to you like why are you choosing to see the eclipse there what is it about it is it the life that's there is it you know the sounds is it just the the essence or the view and then try to think of some universal connections to that site. Like, what are some things that anybody could relate to about why I love this place? And then try to see if any of those connect to the sun or the moon or, or to earth. And then you have your, your hook, right? You have your engagement. And then start trying to think of those profound questions <laughs> that you're going to want to ask people 
uh, to really get them thinking from their own experience. I, I just think that's the best way to go for it. I, I've been a naturalist for over 20 years, and I, I feel like the, the way to truly connect to a place is to just be there and just sit, what they call the big sit, right? It's a real thing, and it, it's beautiful. We've all done it. I know you've done it, because I can Hopefully. see the smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I, hadn't, I had never put those words to it, but you're the absolutely big sit. right. I like the big sit. That's going to stick with me. And and I'm thinking about that experience. Would you you recommend when an eclipse is happening and people are viewing it for interpreters, if they're around, to step aside and let people have that experience? Or do you find that people, ah, that's when they have all the questions is when they're they're experiencing it in in real time? I would say stop your engagement during annularity. So when it starts to build up, give your notice to everybody to put on their solar protection and step out of the way. Let them engage with the eclipse on their own. Let them have their own experience. And then you'll be there for when it's all over. Um, I, I would also encourage people to not look through their cameras, not look through their telescopes, not look through their phones, just Use your solar viewers and just look at it directly. I, I can't even express that enough. If you feel like you need to record it, have a tripod and then don't stand next to it. Like let it do its thing. It's just such a neat thing to experience. And, and I feel like if we experience it through another form of tech, it's it changes it. You know, when you see it with your own eyes and your own mind and your own body, it's profound and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the viewers, I I feel like I remember the last time, at least I paid attention to an eclipse, you know, that you could get Mm -hmm. these viewers kind of anywhere. Do you have a place where you feel like, and I imagine you should not wait till the last minute. No, you should not, because already they're backed up. Yeah, I bet. Um, That's kind of why I mentioned the pinhole projector so quickly. Oh, okay, because because you might not be able to find the other ones. I have a hard time. Yeah. Okay. The reliable place I would send people is the American Astronomical Society has a list of vendors. And those vendors are certified. They've checked out all of their gear. They are definitely safe. Because last time, I believe in 2017, people were ordering them on Amazon and they were printed saying that they were safe. They had the right numbers printed on them, but they were not. That's what I was And so if you want a reliable vendor, um, the American Astronomical Society is a host site. Uh, in their Eclipse section, you'll see reliable vendors. And then any of those vendors listed there will have reliable products for you. I have one more question. And I know that, or I believe that you are going to have a pre-conference um, workshop at the NAI National Conference. Yes, what, that's correct. Are, are you going to talk about the there is that what um, yes yeah yeah so if you're in the path of totality it would be a good idea to attend our pre-conference workshop because we're going to go into a lot more detail and tell you about resources and science projects a lot more detail than we will during the session i think during the session during the conference we're only given we're each given like 10 minutes to talk so it's very very fast there's no way we can cover all the things. But if you're not in the path of totality or annularity, 
you know, that, I'm sorry, I guess it'll be totality because annual, the annular eclipse will be done. So yeah, it'll, it'll be focused on the total eclipse. And yeah, if you're not in that path of totality, then, you know, you're just doing the partial eclipse, the, the session would be fine. Right. And then you always have the, the well, you have the double space exhibit this year. Yeah. Earth Sky yeah. will have a big exhibit at the conference too. So I'm sure anyone can talk to you then too. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of our, our NASA partners will be there too. Like I know the solar system exploration division will have, will help us with the booth and globe observer will be there to help us with the booth. And so you'll, you'll see quite a few of us hanging out. That's awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Chris, can you tell us where folks can find out more information online or on social media? Sure. If you just go to earthtosky.org online, we are also on Facebook. You can find us, Earth to Sky Interagency Partnership. That's awesome. Thank you very much for being here, Chris. We yes. appreciate that. Thank you. Thank this you for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. I learned so much. Hey, interpreters. Hey, interpreters. That's what's up. up. That's what's up. up. <laughs> Paul told us no one's gotten this quite right yet. <laughs>